Blog Talk Radio. You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now, you've found it. This is Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world. With your host, Alan Smith, a veteran of OTR trucking, business entrepreneur, and the most recognized name for assisting CDL students and new graduates. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Truth About Trucking Live begins right now. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today is Thursday, May 22nd, 2014. I'm Alan Smith, along with Donna Smith, bringing you this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. We appreciate you tuning in, and if you'd like to join in on the conversation, our call-in number is 347-826-9170, as we'll be doing a sort of a follow-up show from a previous broadcast, which originally aired back on April 10th with our guest, James Lamb president of the AIPBA, Association of Independent Property Brokers and Agents, and he's also CEO of DOTAuthority.com and the general manager of the newest property broker website, 12PL, on the web at 12PL.com. That's spelled out, 12PL.com, and it's also linked up in our show's description. And it's all about transparency. As the main business model between brokers, carriers, and the professional truck driver, Mr. Lamb's idea for broker transparency is uh, being referred to as the New Deal, but can this New Deal solve the many other problem-related issues within the industry, such as low profits and wages, and can it eventually reduce uh, broker fraud by a marginal factor? So tonight, this evening on our show, we'd like to review, uh, make sense, hopefully correlate a few things, uh, fraudulent brokers, a 75000 broker bond, what it was supposed to achieve versus what it actually did, uh, owner-operator low profits, ELDs and reduced wages, mega brokers, and of course a call for broker transparency. So how did the call for broker rate transparency begin and our guest's new company, 12PL? So we'll catch up on what's happening with this issue and discuss various factors within the industry as it relates to broker transparency, the new deal. And again, if you'd like to share your thoughts, ideas, opinions on our topic this evening, we would welcome you to the show as well. Call in number 347-826-9170. Donna, I see your <laughs> – did you get the chat thing going? I did get the chat thing going, finally. All right. Well, we may be having problems with the chat, but it's up and running, and uh, we'll just see how it goes. So you sit and ready and go over there? I think so. <laughs> All right. James Lamb, our special guest this evening for our program, Broker Fraud and the Fight for Transparency. And it's all coming up on Truth About Trucking Live. You're listening to Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. 
Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here from Truth About Trucking Live and AskTheTrucker.com and I want to tell you about TCRG Consulting. TCRG is a division of Transportation Compliance Resource Group and with over 30 years of compliance and regulatory training and consulting, they are the company that can help you from the very startup of your new trucking commercial business to keeping your company compliant and up to date on the ever-changing federal motor carrier regulations. Their goal is to help their clients to comply with the FMCSRs. TCRG Consulting makes your DOT compliance easy and understandable, and they work hard to prevent interruption of your daily operations. So if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. Their services include obtaining DOT numbers, obtaining operating authority, new entrant carrier setup and training, driver qualifications, driver drug and alcohol training, maintenance records, CSA carrier reviews and counseling, data queue filings, plus a whole lot more. Their online special for drivers and owner-operators is offering a yearly consulting service for only $99. So for $99 a year, you have access to online compliance chat, free telephone consultations up to 15 minutes per call, data queue filings, and you'll be able to keep up with the ever-changing regulations with an expert, not the guy or gal in the truck next to you. So for more information, go to their website at tcrgconsulting.com or Email them at regguy at comcast.net. You can get a quote or ask an online question. So remember, if you're having trouble with DOT, just think TCRG. TCRG Consulting, information and assistance to help you comply. Check them out, tcrgconsulting.com. This is Truth About Trucking Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at truthabouttrucking.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back. Our guest, James Lamb, president of the AIPBA, back with us. So, James, welcome back. How are you? Oh, good evening, Alan. Good evening, Donna. I'm doing just fine, and it's great to be back. Well, I know you've been doing a lot of traveling, so hopefully you're, you're, you're feeling like you're back in the right time zone anyway. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm back in the swing of things here. Thanks for asking, and uh, I'm ready to, uh, to do the show. Well, you know, this... Um, 
you know, as, you know, you know, me and Donald's been watching this very closely, as you know, and and uh, you know, there's there's a lot of people for this transparency thing. A lot, you know, maybe some against. We see more kind of coming toward it. I mean, let let I guess let's just start with uh, the broker bond. I mean, you um, you've said that it was. Uh, hidden behind the disguise that it would protect carriers from fraudulent activity, but but in actuality you feel that its true purpose was to get rid of small brokers and create a monopoly of mega brokers, you know, just kind of get rid of competition. Uh, is that correct? That is exactly right. I mean, we've been saying that now for over four years. Uh, we predicted that if a large bond uh, did go through and Originally, at the time, we were looking at a bond as high as 100000 as you know. Uh, but even with the $75,000 bond, a high bond, we believed would put out a significant number of brokers out of business. And as you know, back in December, uh, between December 2nd and 16th, all the revocations totaled up to 8,200-some-odd uh, brokerages that were revoked by FMCSA. Uh, it was uh, approximately 38% of the uh, brokerage industry shut down. I believe we gained about 2% back over the course of reinstatements over the following months, last we checked. So in, uh, in, in the big picture, all said and done, we did lose 36%. And, uh, you know, that's, that's over a third of the industry gone. Uh, when we include the freight forwarders that now are obligated to post a $75,000 bond as well. Uh, we looked at not only 38% of uh, all intermediaries, but 41%. So these are significant numbers that we're, we're talking about. We predicted this is what would happen. We said all along this was not about fighting fraud. This was uh, really about fighting competition for the benefit of the larger brokerages that are uh, essentially represented by the lobby group that asked for this, uh, TIA, along with, uh, with OOIDA. And, and, the, and the loss of those, uh, you know, 10,000 or so small brokers, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting factor because uh, when that was occurring, I mean, I know a lot of drivers, owner-operators, independents, they were hooping and hollering, you know, that, you know, hey, it's, it's great for us, our rates are going to go up, we're going to make more money, but in actuality, I mean, because there, there would be more drivers and less brokers and, you know, and more freight available for the drivers, but in actuality, the freight rates went down for drivers. Can you explain that a little bit? I mean, why? I, I can see the driver's point of view, but the reverse happened. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, well, I mean, originally when we were first looking at this back in the you know the winter months, January, February, there there obviously was a, a increase in in uh, carrier rates uh, based on the fact that it was a horrible winter up up in the north. Uh, but you know the fact the fact of the matter is that that does not necessarily translate into increased driver pay, and so you know we're we're basically looking at all of our predictions coming true here in terms of, uh, you know, kind of like a correction, if you will, of, of what was happening in the winter. And ultimately now we're, we're basically seeing a situation where, you know, consumer prices are up for the last three months that we've been tracking it, especially food prices. There's all sorts of different uh, possible causes for many of these things, and a lot of people will point to, you know, some of those causes. But we think that when you look at the big picture, 
where we said a significant amount of brokers would be shut down, and that happened. We saw a significant amount of people apply for unemployment for first-time benefits those two weeks in December when this happened, uh, and then it got corrected after that, you know, back down to uh, normal rates. And we, we've seen consumer prices go up. Uh, we've seen the um, you know, uh, report from C.H. Robinson in terms of their revenues going up. So you know, a lot of the things that we predicted would happen are, are starting to happen. And, and they, these are things that will continue to happen as we see that the bigger brokerages are now acquiring more market share. A lot of those smaller brokers that did go out of business either went on the unemployment lines or they found another job, and a lot of them found jobs at the larger brokerages. In fact, a lot of the folks that we used to talk to as independent brokers on LinkedIn, as you know, now represent themselves as being agents for some of those bigger brokers. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a big picture here of this is not in the best interest of the industry as a whole. I'm, so, I'm sure it's in the best interest of the larger mega brokerages, but when you look at it from the perspective of being a carrier or a driver, either a company driver, owner-operator, a small broker, or just basically a consumer having to deal with these higher prices, you'll see that uh, our predictions were pretty much on the mark. And, uh, and now we're, we're in uh, you know, tough times here in, in terms of uh, moving forward. And the driver – actually, the dri- hi, James. This is Donna. And the driver rates have actually um, gone down. With all this now, I mean, uh, because because there's there's less brokers. Yeah, well, you know, the the, the, the I think the, the original thought that comes really from a lot of drivers that were going to OIDA back in the day and asking for them to lobby for a high bond, and originally, you know, they did they did back in about ten years ago, they did ask FMCSA for a bond as high as five hundred thousand dollars. And I think, you know, I believe that the idea there was to pretty much remove the brokers from the equation, what we would call a policy of disintermediation, removing the intermediaries from the equation altogether. But, you know, I don't know how well thought out that was because we are dealing with mega brokerages, which in some cases earn multi-billions of dollars a year. So those, those folks in those organizations, they're not going anywhere. And it's not like they're going to be put out of business. And, and all that means is that the shippers have less choice when it comes to who they're going to choose to uh, arrange their transportation. And so to, as a simple matter of supply and demand, if shippers have less choice and if truckers have less choice as well on the other side, in that case, you know, as a matter of supply and demand, the big brokers win. Well, I think I think the the drivers who were for the big broker bond was they were convinced that it would eliminate uh fraud because there was a lot of um scamming going on and uh drivers were getting stuck, not getting paid and things like that. So, I think that's why they were for that. Um I I can't imagine any other reason why, right Alan? I mean, isn't that why Drivers were for that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, most of what the comments and everything that we were seeing. I, I don't think it was because they wanted to get rid of brokers. I mean, it, on our comments, I was looking at, at your page, and, and a lot of them call brokers a necessary evil. <laughs> so, uh, 
I don't really think they wanted to get rid of them. They just wanted to get rid of bad ones, and that's not what what you're saying happened. It, it just created a monopoly and got rid of a lot of small businesses, what it did. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you know, what what people are thinking at the time that they move forward with a public policy initiative is one thing, you know, what their intents are. But, you know, sometimes we have to deal with what we would call unintended consequences. And uh, I believe personally that there were some people that wanted to just remove the, the brokers from the equation. And the thought was then maybe shippers will do business directly with us. We'll cut out the middleman. We'll make more money. I, I firmly believe that there are, there's a segment of the you know, carrier and trucker population that felt that way. But there are other folks that were being told that this would fight fraud, and uh, you know they were basically sold a, a bill of goods that I don't think was very well thought out. We tried to offer that analysis before this went down, and we said, listen, this is what's going to happen. And basically you're giving control over to the larger brokerages, which in turn would then have the ability to charge shippers more and pay truckers less just as a mere you know, issue of supply and demand. And we're, we're starting to see that, I think. So now, now we have to – we've made the bed, and now we've got, got to kind of you know, lie in it uh, from, from the perspective of you know, we've got the $75,000 bond in place. Now, you folks know that we have a number of initiatives still in progress where we're trying to convince the authorities essentially that this was a mistake. And so our exemption application is still pending before FMCSA that would make all brokers and folders exempt from the $75,000 bond. And um, all of a sudden you'd see some of those brokers shut down could, could get reinstated. Uh, how that, you know, we've talked about that before, but how that would actually play out in terms of what if any bond would be left over, um, OIDA has said there would be no bond, and I would agree that for a, a short period of time, if the exemption application were granted, that, that's true. And we'd all have to go back to the, uh, the drawing board, and we'd have to say, you know, the, this is the reasonable amount for a broker bond. A lot of folks have thought that, you know, we – and there's a myth out there that we're against the, um, the raising of the bond altogether or that we want to eliminate the bond, and that's not true. There's a, you know, an actual purpose that's served by having a bond in place as long as it's a reasonable amount. And we actually recommended a raising to adjust for inflation, which was FMCSA's original idea, to 25000 And had that happened, then we wouldn't have lost as many as we did. Now, did we lose some brokers that were operating in a fraudulent capacity? We probably did. And, you know, that's, that's a good thing for sure. But that this is a matter more of kind of the old analogy of, of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You got rid of the dirty water, but you got rid of the baby too. You know, at least 8,200 of them that uh, most of the overwhelming majority of which were just small businesses trying to make a living just like uh, your average independent owner. Right. Well, I think you just answered a question from uh, Charlie on LinkedIn because his question was, um, how do you propose to secure payment for truckers from fly-by-night brokers if you are against raising a bond or even having a bond, but um, but you're not you're you're not against raising a bond or even having a bond. That's what you just said, correct? That's right. Yeah. In fact, uh, on the AIPBA website for the last four years, we have proposed one of two alternatives should be implemented. One, either a standard flat bond of twenty-five thousand to bring the old nineteen seventy-nine 
$10,000 up to, you know, for adjusted for inflation, up to the appropriate amount. And then the other alternative is um, something that a lot of small brokers believe is the, the right solution, and that is to have a structured bond program where it's all dependent on how big of a brokerage you are. So the mom-and-pop trucker that has a side business of a brokerage so that they can earn extra money, a new revenue stream for them to outsource that, that freight that the mom essentially uh, comes into contact with that, that the pop can't handle. In that case, you know, they, they would have one bond in place, perhaps 25000 And then companies like uh, C.H. Robinson, a multi-billion dollar business, uh, they should probably have a higher bond, you know, maybe in the hundreds of thousands, if not higher. So, you know, that would be an, a, a fair reflection in terms of how much carrier money is being handled. And, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of folks seem to think that if they go with a bigger broker, they're safe and they're secure. And we've offered uh, back in the, in the last couple of years the information about how Enron went out of business and took carriers for millions uh, in, in, uh, in terms of outstanding payment that they never made good on. So just because a brokerage is big doesn't mean they're not going to have a, you know, a, a business issue or downturn or, or ultimately even some kind of a scandal or, or you know, scheme to defraud. Um, as far as you know, what, what the impact is right now, and I'm, I'm sure you probably have a question for me on that, uh, we're seeing that there are claims that are still coming in against brokers under the $75,000 uh, bond. Megatrucks is one out of California, um, tied into the bonding company Great American. And Great American is now dealing with over 100 carriers that were not paid by Megatrucks, in which case now they're trying to sort out how they're going to divvy out this $75,000. And obviously, still everyone's not going to get paid. So, you know, the, the, the bond is not supposed to be a, a, a crutch it's not supposed to be a uh, mechanism for you to avoid um, individual responsibility when you're a carrier and not do your due diligence. It really, um, it's really a matter of protecting against um, business downturn rather than fraud. And I said before that if you really want to fight fraud, the way to fight fraud is to send the bad guys who are really engaged in terms of intent to defraud in fraud to jail. You have to send them to prison. You know, bonds don't fight fraud, prisons fight fraud. Well, uh, I, I found this comment on LinkedIn, which uh, actually in so many words uh, admit to the motive of the 75000 bond in order to remove the competition. So I'm just going to read it here, then we'll grab a few callers. Got a caller from North Dakota, North Dakota a few others here. We'll grab you here. But uh, this comment on LinkedIn, uh, it, it's, he stated, um, and I, I'll quote here, Here's a situation that happened last week. We quoted a customer for a partial from A to B, $2,750. They called and said, come, come get the load. My staff called four trucks. The first two said they would do it for, for $1,700. The third wanted $1,650. And the fourth said they would do it for $2,375. With transparency, I should be giving it to the $2,350 guy and flush $650 down the drain. And he has a bunch of question marks. If you ask very successful brokerage companies, a philosophy is to purchase transportation wisely. We believe wisely is a euphemism for secretly and is about withholding commission information. Now, here's the, here's the key uh, 
the, the key, key sentence here. Now that TIA removed more than 40% of the service transportation intermediary uh, industry with its $75,000 broker bond, P, uh, three PLs are well positioned, thanks to TIA, to charge shippers even more. Now that comes, that's a statement direct from a uh, broker on LinkedIn. So in, uh, in your opinion, I mean, uh, wouldn't would this be price gouging? Would well, yeah, it fall I, under I, that category? I, I remember I remember very well that, that comment, that post, and I think, Alan, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you just meshed two uh, different people's um, wording there. So the original part of what you said was, was the broker, and then I think you threw some of my comments in, in um in you know, kind of an analysis. Oh, I that. see. You're right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, right. Basically, I, I was the one that you know that was basically saying that um, you know thanks to TIA and all and all that. So, so right. I get that. it now. Okay. Yeah. That. And that yeah. Was, yeah. That yeah. Okay. Was, that that last response was uh, you're responding to him. Right. Right. And okay. So when I when I was when I was looking at his figures, I did the math and I calculated. Uh, it might have been on that particular portion of the thread or a little bit further down, but basically, you know, as that thread went went uh, along, I calculated what his percentage was that he was attempting, when he says he's going to flush this money out, out the window, what his original percentage was that he was he was about to get, and it was 38%. And so I, I questioned him on that, and, you know, I, I basically said 38% is, is probably a amount that you don't want there to be transparency because you don't want anyone to know you're, quote, earning 38%. And that then gets us into these questions of price gouging and hiding information so that your shipper and your carrier doesn't, you know, they're left in the dark and they don't really know what's going on. And, and that's, that's the purpose of transparency. It's to get to this issue. That, that topic... Um, came up today earlier in the day. I don't know if you saw on a different thread, but basically, you know, one of the things I was trying to say to this one broker who was protesting, and he's actually an AIPBA member, um, he was basically saying that, um, you know, he wasn't in favor of, of transparency. And, you know, I, I kind of came back and I said, well, you know, what we're dealing with here is transparency in terms of addressing a more underlying issue of price gap. And if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about doing business as partners, uh, like like I've talked about in the past, then we really shouldn't be hiding this information from each other. We should be out in the open and basically say, you know, this is what the, the, the shipper is paying, this is what the carrier is getting, and this is my commission. So, you know, it, it, it kind of it kind of is, is unfolding, as I put it to him, as we go and as we a analyze this stuff and debate all this. And really, it, it's a matter of us kind of looking at the big picture and saying, how, how are we treating each other and, and how do we really want to be treated, you know, when we're, when we're doing business with our partners. And I think transparency, you know, clearly is, is the appropriate way to go because then we get into the next topic of what fee is reasonable and customary for a broker to charge. And I don't know, you know, if I'm going to try to set that as the president of AIPBA because I think that really that's a matter of the market kind of responding to that. 
I'm going to suggest that in my, you know, experience in uh, the brokerage industry um, and, and having dealt with other folks who have been in the business for up, up to 20 or more years, uh, the average commission usually is around 12% if you're running a legitimate operation. And that's a reasonable and customary amount in, in my mind. I'm not going to impose that on anybody, but I'm going to say, you know, if, uh, if I had to pick an amount, I'd go with 12%. And uh, as we launch this brokerage that I'm the general manager of, we have uh, entitled the company, as you know, 12PL. And, Alan, I told you that when we came back on the show for the next time, I would tell everyone what 12PL finally stands for, right? Right. right. Drum, drum, drum roll, right? Yeah. It get, it, it's a no-brainer. 12PL essentially stands for 12% logistics. Right. And okay. So, so the transparency is actually in the name itself on our end, where we're basically saying you want to know how much we're going to charge the, the, the shipper and, and how much we're going to keep in terms of what we pay the, the carrier and the trucker? Well, you'll never guess. It's in our name, 12% logistics. All right. Now, oh, you have a caller, Alan? I, I was yeah, let's grab a few callers. Oh, okay. We'll go to North Dakota, and then we'll uh, we'll grab New Jersey. But North Dakota up first, area code 701. Welcome to the show. Hi, it's Deb. Hey, Deb. Hey. Hey, Deb. How's it going? I'm driving. Life is good. <laughs> good. What's up? Uh, I just, I just, you know... I think that I'm in agreement with the whole transparency thing. I think it's a really good idea. I do think mm-hmm. that the $5,000 bond is way too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter. You know, no matter what you do, you're never going to get rid of the crooks. It's just, unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. The only thing you need to do is just try to make it the best world possible that you can. And I think that's what James is talking about is, you know, trying to punish everybody by putting that $75,000 bond in place didn't do a lot of good. In fact, it did just the opposite. Mm-hmm. So, and and, and so many drivers were for it. They thought, you know, oh, great, because I think what it stemmed down to when you put all the pieces together is there's such a um, – what would you call it? I hate to use that word, loathing or um, mistrust – uh, with the word broker to truckers, that it was almost like a punishment for them. Um, yeah, good, you know, that kind of thing. That's the way I read into it. Well, basically that's what they were doing. And the worst part about all of this is, is that, and, and you can't always do everything, which you and I have talked about how recently I have learned dealing with bureaucracy, no matter how many steps you take, doing everything the correct way. It doesn't always work out right. But if you do your due diligence, you're going to know which brokers are going to pay you and which ones aren't. And, and that was and a thing we were going to bring up tonight, too. Uh, that's a very good point. Take drivers, owner-operators need to take some responsibility for some of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, uh-huh. and I, made, I may make a lot of people angry, but if you can't do your own due diligence and you, I mean, there's certain brokers out here, and I'm not going to name names or anything, but there's a couple brokers out here I will not haul a load for just basically because they don't pay squat. They're very cheap people. 
if you mm-hmm. know how much both pay and you know how much they're offering to pay the driver and you're like going, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> right. You know, it, and so if you know this, you know, why deal with it? It, it To me, it's a matter of, of knowing your business. And I think the transparency thing is a very good thing. I think it levels the playing field. But, again, too, drivers, owner-operators, we need to take a look at ourselves here, too, and go, what did we do to contribute to this problem? Right. Like the big thing about hauling cheap freight, you know, uh, and, and that was taken advantage of. I mean, I think people in general, and this isn't just brokers. This is humanity. <clears throat> people will take a advantage um, many times, not all people, obviously, uh, will take advantage of people who are vulnerable or naive. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I just like I, I just wanted to put that out there, that in with all this discussion, you know, and I understand what James is saying, and I, and I get it, and I respect him for it. But my side of the thing is I think drivers and owner-operators especially, we all, even if you're driving like me, I'm an owner-operator, but I'm leased to a company, I know what the bottom line is. I know what rates are offered. I know how much the loads are. I know how much my dispatcher gets. I know what I get. There's no hidden fees. There's no hidden costs. Right. No. You know, I mean, that's you because you're on you it. you can't do that, you know, that's your own problem, then. It's not the broker's problem because he's a crook. Yeah, that's his own issue. But what about you being the dumbass that takes his load? And then you expect to cry <laughs> to everybody else out here about it? Excuse me? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, that's the other side of the discussion, but, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. And, James, you've... uh. Uh, you, you've mentioned that before too. I mean, it's a it's a responsibility for everybody to you know to to make this industry work and you know work together and and uh, this transparency thing uh, is just one way to do that. Correct? Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the transparency is a is a it's it's one portion of the bigger picture, which is formulating a a teamwork type of environment, that we're all on the same supply chain team. We're, we're supposed to be thinking of ourselves as partners in business. Um, you know, that's the whole theme of our Small Business and Transportation Coalition, which is attempting to break through the, the traditional barriers of, of us versus them and, you know, trucker versus broker and vice versa and distrust and, and not liking each other. You know, we're, we're all doing business together, and we all have a, a, a mutually, you know, uh, attainable goal here of, of getting the freight, uh, you know, to the consumer uh, for, for essentially, you know, America to, to stay, uh, you know, um, in, in a position where it, it gets what it needs. You go to the, the grocery store, and the milk is there. And the reason why is because there are truckers who bring it, and we all know trucks bring good stuff, as the slogan for ATA, and brokers help to arrange for that truck. And, you know, and, and shippers are, are the people who are manufacturers of the product. So it's all supposed to be, you know, one team America. And instead, this industry has been so divisive and, and so divided for so long that we can't even seem to be able to get beyond the individual. It's all about me and greed and, and all that kind of stuff. And what we really need to do is we need to reevaluate how we've been doing business 
and and what you know the uh, the problems are that we're faced with when we when we look out only for for number one. Everyone has the uh, you know the responsibility to run their own business the best way that you know that they can, but there's moral and ethical obligations here, and we're suggesting that one of the obligations is not to price gouge. It's to charge a reasonable rate. It's to be upfront. And, and it's to tell people, you know, what they're getting. Somebody posted um, the other day uh, on LinkedIn, and they, uh, for some reason, Kentucky Fried Chicken came up, uh, the KFC, uh, as a restaurant. And, and they, they were saying, well, transparency, James, is, is like telling the competition of KFC what the 34 secret herbs and spices are, right? And I said, no, that's not what it's about. Transparency is about the people that are involved in the transaction. It's about the trucker and the broker, you know, being transparent toward each other, and it's about the broker and the shipper being transparent toward each other. But it's not about advertising your profit and loss statement. It's not about advertising to your competition what you're charging. It's about that, that, that key team that's involved in that particular transaction, and, and it's about sharing information with your partners. And I think that, you know, the... The idea here is that if you think about that KFC analogy, if you walk in as a consumer into Kentucky Fried Chicken and you go and you purchase, you know, a meal, they're going to give you an itemized bill. They're going to tell you what things cost. They're going to tell you that this was the amount for your chicken, $10, and it was $1.99 for your Diet Coke. And what we do in this industry is we talk in terms of bottom-line prices. Brokers tell shippers, here's the cost, and they don't break it down and itemize it by what the transportation cost is and what the brokerage cost is. Remember that when a shipper goes to a broker, they're ordering two services. They're ordering transportation, and they're ordering brokerage services. And what they get back is a bottom-line bill that is all-inclusive. Imagine if you went into Kentucky Fried Chicken, I told this person on LinkedIn, and you you bought chicken and a Diet Coke, and you got a bill for $16. You wouldn't know what the chicken cost and what the Diet Coke cost. And it may have turned out that that chicken was $10, but you were being charged $6 or three times the going rate for a Diet Coke. And that's what's happening in the brokerage industry right now. That's what's happening with the larger brokerages and some elitist brokers that are out there that don't want transparency because they don't want people to know that they have been price gouging. And so we're well, addressing the real the real issue of price gouging in transparency. Well, wasn't wasn't there something um a while back that there was almost a call for that and was it the TIA who fought it so that there wouldn't be transparency? Um seems to me I remember something like that. Yes, back in 2008, there was legislation that was proposed, I believe it was by um, uh, um, DeFazio, Peter DeFazio, the Honorable Peter DeFazio, and um, it was in the House, and it was called the Truck Act, and, and truck essentially, you know, uh, was, was spelled a different way than normally. It was T-R-U-C-C, and um, it had something to do with, I think it was Trust and Reliable Understanding of the Consumer Cost Act or something like that. And basically, uh, you know, the notion was that we should itemize what the commission is for the broker on, on the actual paperwork uh, for the load, and for each load. And so TIA didn't like that. TIA didn't like the fact that, that they would be having to tell everybody how much 
commission their larger constituent brokers are making. And the question is, why? Why Why are you upset about releasing that information? Some people say, well, it's none of your business, but, but what's the real purpose of being in object, you know, to object to releasing the information? The only answer is you must be price gouged. You must not want to know that, you know, you're trying to charge somebody $6 for a diet toe. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Thanks, Deb. Hey, let's go to uh, New Jersey, area code 201. Welcome to the show. Thanks for holding. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, How are you doing? Uh huh. This is Lou, this Lou Levy. Hey, Lou. Hi, Lou. How are you? I think I spoke to Donna this morning, this afternoon. Right. Uh huh. So, yep. James, here's the deal. All right. Number one, let's go back to your Kentucky Fried Chicken analogy. Okay. Yep. Kentucky Fried Chicken has a menu. You walk into Kentucky Fried Chicken, you can pick from the menu whatever you want. It's a pre-established pricing structure that, that KFC has decided, just like every other fast food restaurant in the world, you walk in, there's a menu, there's all your prices. You get your, you get your receipt, and your receipt better match those prices up on that board. That's how Kentucky Fried Chicken chooses to do business. Okay? Yes. What you can't do is go to Kentucky Fried Chicken and say, hey, well, wait a second. That chicken's ten dollars. That that diet coke's a dollar ninety nine. What's it cost you? You know what they're going to tell you? Well, the people at the store are going to tell you I have no idea. But if you went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, they'd probably tell you none of your damn business. All right. Now you certainly have the ability because they're a publicly traded company, just like C H Robinson and Schneider. All right. And you know you can you can find out what their P and Ls are because they're publicly traded companies, and you, and that information is all part of their ten Q. All right. What, with what we're doing, and the reason I object to your transparency, and I really object to the to the just the, the, the assumption that I'm price gouging anybody, and I'm a member of your association, by the way, so that doesn't hold well for your association. Yep. All right, I don't price gouge. All right, I do charge what I charge for my customers, and that's my business what I charge them. My job for my customers is to move their freight for them and to move it for the price that, I, that they agree and I agree ahead of time, it should be moved for. Now, I don't, if a broker, and I told Donna this, uh, Alan's wife, you know what, if a broker is paying a trucking company on a percentage basis, entirely different set of rules. You pay somebody on a percentage, you, are, you should be legally obligated to disclose to them with proof what you're making because they're, 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 their compensation is based on what they make. When I give a carrier a load, I ask the carrier, here's what you need to do. What do you want to charge me? Here's what I want to charge you. Okay. Now, hopefully, I priced it properly so that what they're going to charge me is less than what I charge the customer. It's happened where that hasn't happened. You know what? I take the hit. I don't go to the carrier and say, hey, well, gee, unfortunately, I only priced this at $100, so you know, can, you price me, can you charge me only $80 or $88 so I can make my 12%? No, I take I swallow it like a big boy. I made a I made a pricing mistake and I and I eat it. All right. What you want to do and what you're talking about some of this stuff is almost trying to go back to the days of regulation. And unfortunately, you know who made out in the days of regulation? LTL trucking companies and big trucking companies. They made out. Little guys didn't do so well. So that's that's one of the problems with your with your transparency thing. Number two, if you go back to your analogy or the analogy someone made about the trucking company that quoted thirteen fifty and another one quoted sixteen fifty and another one quoted twenty three fifty. 
You know what? It's not price gouging if I charge twenty three fifty. If the trucking company that quoted, one of the trucking companies quoted me twelve percent less than that. So under your scenario, if the trucking company wants to gouge me and I charge twelve percent above that, that's perfectly okay. Well, to the shipper, that's still price gouging. That's still not doing the right thing. But I do believe that carriers are our partners, and I think that pretty much any carrier I do business with would tell you the same thing. I don't tell people what to charge me. When carriers go, what do you offer on the load? I don't tell them. I said, look, it's your truck. It's your decision. You tell me what you want to move the load. If it's fair, we do business. If it's not, we don't. And I even tell them, I said, look, you know what? If I can't find somebody to move this load for what I think is fair, I'm going to call you up and pay you your price anyway if you're still available. That's, it. that's how we do business. And that's how a lot of the people that I know in this business do business. And I think that, that you're, you're making a blanket statement that because I don't want to sit there and discuss my margins, or you can call it commissions, or you can call it net profit, whatever you want to, whatever semantics you want to call it, all right, it, it just make, to make the assumption that I'm price gouging, especially when there's people like me who are members of yours who pay dues to be in your association, all right, you, you know, if you're, if you're so high and mighty about this, you should have told me and anybody else who doesn't like that transparency thing, here's your money back. We don't want you. Okay, so that, well, that, James, how do you feel about that? Yeah, yeah well, let, let, let James respond here now. Go ahead, James. Well, well let's, let's, let's kind of take a few of these, a few of these things at, uh, you know, one, one at a time and, then, and try to do it in a, in a calm and, you know, reasonable fashion. Number one, the, the, whole, the KFC analogy, that was somebody coming up with that and throwing that at us. If it were my analogy, what I would have done is I would not have talked about a restaurant offering food at specifically set prices. What I would have done is I would have used an analogy where you go into the restaurant and you are ordering lobster. Now, what happens when you go into a restaurant and you order lobster? Is, it, is, it, is the price ever printed on the menu? No. It's always market rate. And what happens is the waitress goes back into the kitchen and talks to the chef and says, hey, what are we charging today for lobster? And in that case, the chef says, well, it's, you know, such and such per pound. And they go back out and they, they present the figure to the customer. And the customer knows before they order what they're going to pay. And it's going to change because it's based on what the market's doing and the supply and demand of lobsters at that point in time. But the point is that the, the customer gets a receipt that tells them how much the service is. Now, I'm not saying, Lou, that you're engaged in price gouging. I'm not saying that, you know, that, uh, that any particular brokerage is, is engaged in that because I don't have the information. It would be unfair of me to, to say that. But what I can say is that it makes reasonable sense for the customer to get an itemized receipt when they're purchasing multiple services. You're purchasing two services. You're purchasing transportation and you're purchasing brokerage service. And for the customer not to be told what that lobster cost and then just to get a bill at the end that essentially is for all the food that was consumed, then that's not fair in terms of giving them the opportunity to control their costs. On the other issue, when it comes to the issue of you doing your job as a broker and going out and trying to get the truck at, at a certain price, your obligation is to find the fair market value, as you know, for what a truck costs on that particular lane at that particular point in time for that particular equipment that's needed for, for the load. And 
ultimately your job is is to try to delve through all these various different options and find the most uh, efficient, affordable price for your customer at the best service level so that the freight gets to the point of destination on time and in good condition. And and that's the essence of brokering. And and for you, you know, to go out into the industry and look at, at a trucker who's gouging you on the, and, and, in essence, your shipper client, you should be rejecting that. You should be saying, well, I'm not going to pay that. And, of course, the, the idea here is that it's all based on supply and demand, and it's all based on what other options are out there, and sometimes you don't have much option because of, of supply and demand. But, you know, I, I, would, I would look at this as you have to do, you know, your diligence to a certain degree, and you need to make sure that you're, you know, following through and you're, you're ultimately – doing the best that you can for, for your shepherd. But, but what's happening here is that in the instance like you, you have presented where you had to take a loss, you know, most people would sit back and say, well, why would somebody take a loss? And the reason why you're taking that loss is because you want to keep the client. You want to have a business relationship, a long-term deal with them. It's RFP. They can switch to somebody else. You could lose the business. You know, brokerage is about, is about uh, acquiring business and retaining that business, and you know that. And so when, when you're taking that loss, the question is, are you going to another load? And, you know, at that point, not you in particular, but brokers in general, are they then attempting to uh, overcharge somebody to make up for that loss? And so we have to get into this situation of maybe you shouldn't have taken that loss, maybe under a theory of transparency because you're already telling the, the shipper when you're doing well and when you're able to actually earn your, say, 12%, in that case, then you can go back to the shipper and you can say, look, here's what it currently costs and here's my fee and it's 12%. You still made your 12% and the shipper has to accept the fact that that's, that's the cost under current market conditions. So, you know, it, it, it's, all, it's all in how you look at it, I guess. But, you know, the, the, the idea here is that sharing information and giving somebody a receipt for the services that, that they've ordered I don't see any problem with that. I think that's a good thing, and I think there's a lot of people that support it, like uh, other other brokerages such as uh, Logistics.com that's joined the uh, the bandwagon, and um, you know that's that's pretty much our position. All right, and just uh, hey, uh, Lou, yeah, Lou, quick on, response. Go ahead. Oh no, that's okay. Uh, one, I'm just watching the time here. Quick response. No, number one, regarding the restaurant, James's you know re re restaurant re analogy. Okay. Number one, when you get that bill from the restaurant, you're not getting a bill for all the services. You're getting a bill for the food you ate. There's no separate itemized thing there that says, well, here's what we had to pay the chef, and here's, what we, here's, here's how much of your meal went to the server. And the server, you're getting billed for the server, whether you know it or not, because somebody's paying that, poor, that, that waitress or waiter to bring you your food. Somebody's paying the cook to cook the food. And so somewhere in that price of that food that you consumed, Excuse me. Are those costs, and you're not getting an itemized bill? But that's that that that's that's as far as we need to go with that. As well, far as the other thing goes, I, when I take, wait, 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 wait. This is my chance to talk now. When I take a loss on a load, I do it because I have an obligation to that customer. I committed to do something, and the way I keep my customers is I honor my commitments, whether I take a loss or not. That's that's why it's done. If I don't, and if I continue to take losses with a particular customer, that means. I'm either not pricing it correctly or that customer wants to pay too cheap a rate, okay? Transparency, what, you, what, you, what you're saying is before, in other words, before I move a load for a customer, okay, 
you know, they ask me, what's it going to cost? I tell them, here's what we're going to charge you to move the load. And they do get a receipt. It's called a bill. Load gets moved, load gets delivered, customer gets a bill. And as long as that bill is for exactly what I told them it was for, okay, you know, hopefully there's no problem. This isn't what you want to do is not going to make anybody honest, okay? I can tell a guy I'm making 12. I can tell some poor carrier I'm making 12%. But you know what? In the end, I can tell them anything I want, number one. And in the end, you know what? The guy that's going to try and commit fraud, and by the way, you know, the guy that, that sets out in the morning, wakes up and says, you know what? You know, today's the day I'm going to, I'm going to start just, just booking loads, collecting money, and not paying carriers. You know what? That guy is going to do it no matter what you do, okay? That's the reality. And, 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 and the woman who's the owner-operator actually was, was very smart. You know what? In this day and age, and I understand, back in the old days before factors, before the Internet, everything, you know what? It was very hard to know who to trust. And, and the broker bond was absolutely critical, all right? But in this day and age, with, with Internet, where you could find out anything you want to find out about a company on your damn cell phone, all right, you know what? It's easy for, for a carrier to do their due diligence. And the last thing okay. I want to just – the last yeah. point I want to make is this. And I think, Donna, you mm-hmm. and I had a protracted discussion about it. You know what? You guys are talking about carriers or about drivers and owner-operators, all right? Realistically, I'm a business. When I do business with – a carrier, I'm doing business with a company. If it's a one-truck owner, it's still a company. If I'm doing business with Landstar, I'm doing business with Landstar. I may, they, they may, their Landstar's policy may be have the driver call me to get directions or dispatch, and that's fine. We'll, you know, we'll do that for them. But my fiduciary relationship is not with the driver. It's not with the carrier. Or it's not with the driver. It's not with the owner-operator. It's with the carrier, Okay. Now, the guy that's got one truck that's his own company, my fiduciary obligation is to him as a business, not as Joe Smith driver, all right? So, you know, I, don't, I, I understand why drivers don't like brokers because they think that if there's no brokers, they have more freight to move at a higher price, and that's not the way it's going to work because the minute there's less competition out there for these trucks, for, for brokers that have to compete for these trucks, it's going to drive the freight rates way down when the truck only yeah 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 that's exactly i got to move on lou that's exactly right that's what we talked a little bit earlier you know james lou said something he brought up the word regulations and i think there's a misconception here too about your your transparency your 12 pl i mean you're not regulating this is uh it's all voluntary yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, we're not we're not picking up where TIA left off in terms of fighting, uh, you know, a, a law or rule. What, what, we're not we're not asking for one. We're basically saying there's already a rule in the regulations. It's in 49 CFR 371 that controls brokers, and it basically says that if you're involved in a transaction, you have the right to know. And I wrote an article about that 10 years ago, before I was involved with brokers association before you know we even applied for an mc number ourselves way back in the in the day and and ultimately we we wrote we wrote it as a consulting company for truckers and we said you know truckers you have a right to know you have a right to go to your broker and ask for a copy of the invoice to the shipper and once you get that you already know what you're being paid by the carrier so when you do the math you can figure out what the commission is or what the fee is whatever you want to call it 
what the what the amount is that the broker is retaining for his services. Now, you shouldn't have to go through this back-end way to do it. It should be more above board. And what's happened in the past is brokers have played a political game and they flexed their muscle, and any time that, that a, a motor carrier has asked or an independent trucker with his own authority has asked the broker how much after the fact did, uh, did you charge the shipper, they're, they're told, look, you can either not ask that question and we continue to do business, or I'll send you the, the document by fax and we're done. No more loads for you. And, and it's basically a bullying tactic. And, and that's what's happened. And I think that's why OIDA went to Congress and basically asked for this as a matter of law. But we agree that it shouldn't be compelled either. But we also think that once this voluntary movement catches on and once shippers become accustomed to a significant number of brokers that are being transparent, then those brokers that attempt to continue to do business under a non-transparent policy, well, they're, they're ultimately going to be told, well, what do you mean you don't tell us what your brokerage fee is? That's ridiculous. Every other broker that we've been dealing with lately does. And, you know, it's, not, it's nothing different than if you go to a real estate broker to sell your house, they're going to tell you what their commission is. They're not going to take the money and not tell you how much they took. Or if you go to your stockbroker to do a trade, they're going to tell you what they charge for a trade. So why shouldn't freight brokers tell the shipper what they charge in that instance for that particular, uh, you know, for that particular load that they've arranged for? You know, Lou said a moment ago that you get, you, he does give a bill. Well, it's a, it's a basic bottom-line bill that's all-inclusive. It's filled and shrouded in mystery. Well, how much did the truck cost, and how much did the broker cost? We don't know. It's all in a lump sum. And there are some brokers that are out there that want to keep it that way. I'm not saying it's necessarily Lou, and we appreciate he's a member and he supported our, our movement of AIPBA for the last year or so in terms of encouraging folks to consider the alternative trade group to TIA. But ultimately, we have to ask, what is the basis for not telling? We're not asking anything beyond those two things. Transparency doesn't mean you have to go and tell your shipper or your carrier how much you pay your employees and what you pay for your light bill. and That's all ridiculous levels of transparency. That's, that's, that's insane. But what we're doing is we're just saying the customer should get an itemized receipt, and that's it. Well, and, and, and thanks again, Lou. Uh, I'm just kind of watching the time here. But, uh, and this uh, voluntary coming on with the 12PL transparency, that kind of goes along with a poll that you did on, um, on LinkedIn a while back. You asked people if they would boycott a broker who was not transparent. And if I remember right, uh, over like 50% said they would. So I'm, I'm assuming that statement you put on LinkedIn was posted to get the attention of, uh, of drivers especially. But I would think that if the trend of rate transparency did take off, uh, that many in the industry would actually require it. And that's, that's basically what you just uh, pointed out too. I mean, that would probably be the case. Yeah, yeah that, that's what we're hoping for, that, that it's going to be this new paradigm, this new deal as we're calling it, where folks are going to say, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. The only people that I think are, are going to suggest that it doesn't make sense is people who don't want to release the information about how much they're retaining in fees. And, you know, I, 
I, I'm not going to point to any particular person or any particular company engaged in, in price gouging, you know, but I'm, I'm going to suggest that if you're up front and you do this when you're a broker, you're going to get more business. You know, we've been talking, Alan and Donna, we've been talking about these issues of trust and, and of, you know, folks working in, in partnership and people not liking each other. And, and in some cases, I heard the word hate not too long ago. I mean, these are strong, you know, strong emotions that are going on. And it's all based on the fact that everything's happening in, in this shroud of, of mystery. And there should be no more mystery. The mystery, you know, should, should really be dispelled, and, and it should be a matter of, look, we're putting all the cards on the table. And, you know, no broker is forced to do this at this point. We're not lobbying Congress for a law. We're not asking FMCSA for a rule beyond what's already there. We're basically saying we are going to do this as a private venture under 12PO. If you believe in what we're talking about, then join us, like Logistics Com did. And we're basically saying follow, follow the model. If you don't, don't follow it. But ultimately, we think that eventually, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, you're going to be following it because you're going to have no choice because the market is going to require that you do so once it catches on. But it's not part of uh, the requirement to join AIPPA. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, and, and we've had this discussion with Lou in detail on, on LinkedIn. I'm sure you've seen some of the threads. And we basically said he's not required to adopt this model of transparency as, as a condition for membership. You know, over the last week we've gotten into this, this issue of ethics. You know, and it has to do with a, a, another unrelated issue about the way people conduct themselves and, and whether their conduct is professional and whether people should, you know, send nasty messages to each other on LinkedIn and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but we don't want to confuse this issue of ethics with transparency, but there is an issue of ethics with price gouging. And, you know, that's something that in general is, is frowned upon almost as bad as price fixing. And, and well, here, here's something that I see, James, is a, a lot of people aren't uh, price gouging. Um, they still want to remain, you know, kind of uh, on the QT about what they're doing. And they, they're, they're really not, but for whatever reasons, they don't want to reveal it. And, um, you know, what do you say to them? I mean, there might be people of high integrity, but they're still not you know, convinced that they have to do this. What would you tell them? Oh, well, you know, like I said, I mean, we just had Lou on, and, and, you know, I'm not saying Lou is price gouging or his company is price gouging, but what's going to happen because we're having this topic of discussion is that I think, I believe, people like Lou are worried that people are going to think that they're price gouging. And the, the answer to that is if you're not price gouging, then be transparent. And just show right. the cards on the table. And, and it, you can say, you think I'm price gouging? Well, here you go. Here's that document right. the rules and regulations say you're entitled to anyway. I'm going to give it to you voluntarily. You don't even right. have to ask me for it. You don't have to file a request. Here you go on every load. And now you know how much I'm making. And, and at that point, then no one's going to even suggest that you might be price gouging. It actually would confirm that they weren't. And I, I know the, the input from the drivers is very positive, just like Deb that called in. And uh, they want to see it because some of the comments, Alan, you did a print-off here. Um, I'd love to know what these rates are. I mean, because this was a, a, a post that he put on, on Facebook. 
uh, what do you think about freight brokers? Honest, dishonest, friend, foe, trust them, some, all that kind of stuff. And, I, and some of the comments were, yes, I want to know what the rates are and how much it costs. And and I don't think they realize that that rule, many of them, uh, 49 CFR 371, that says they actually have the right to know. And, uh, you know, they don't they don't even call that, I, I don't think. I mean, not that I know of. And let's see. Most are untruthful about what the real cost of hauling a load is. Uh, what's another one? There's some good ones, but some suck the profit right out of you. <laughs> and it goes on and on. There's another one, just a necessary evil. I only know a select few, blah, blah, blah. And I think in their mind that if they saw the number up front, it would it would calm them down. Now, you know, Lou had said, well, yeah, if you say 12% or 15% or whatever, they'll say, well, I only want to pay you 10 well, then they have the the right too to say, well, no, that's not what what we're doing here. We're we're twelve percent, we're fifteen percent, whatever whatever the case may be. So but, then the shoe is on the other foot at that point. Uh, the way I see it, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's like they're walking into the store and they can reject the the deal, but they know what the deal is. They know what you know what the offer is. The offer that that we're dealing with right now is is shrouded in mystery and and it's not it's not up front it's not you know fair and 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 uh, out in the open well listen you know we've talked about a lot and and it's you know it's good to hear from you know both sides and that's one thing we did for the show this evening was to welcome uh, others to call in yeah but we cover a lot of things and you know one thing i'd like for you to do james is uh just give us a quick bullet point of the benefits of rate transparency. I mean, I don't know if I've ever really seen a bullet point uh, of that. So can you do that? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think that the first thing that we have to talk about is, as the president of the Small Brokers Association, I'm very well aware that brokers have a tarnished image. And that, that that's, that's an understatement right there. Truckers yeah. hate brokers. You know, and yep. they don't trust brokers, and they don't like brokers, and they're the lesser of two evils, and and all of all of these negative comments that we hear. We're trying to clean the industry up. We're trying to say, look, for too long it's been done this way, and we think it needs to be done a new way. We think it needs to be done a different way, and we ultimately need to you know change this paradigm and have it catch on. And once once ultimately it does. In that case, I'd love to go into the future five years from now, and hopefully we'll all still be around, and I'll go on the, the uh, Alan Smith show here with Donna, and, uh, <laughs> and, I'll, and, and we'll, be, we'll be reading some LinkedIn comment, and, and Donna will be asking folks, what do you think of brokers now, five years later? Five years, right. you know, you watch those, those movies about, you know, all those, or those TV shows about years after humans and all that kind of stuff are in existence. Well, five years after the end of non-transparency, then what? Now you think of brokers as partners. Now you like brokers. Now you trust brokers. Now you think of us as friends and, and teammates in the supply chain. And it's a whole new way of doing business, and those people who adopt this mentality, those brokers, are going to make more money out of this trust relationship Brokers are going to have shippers that stick with them, and they're going to retain that business, and they're going to have these partners in place, carriers that are going to want to continue to work with them, and they're going to make money. So, I mean, I don't know if I did it in bullet format, as you asked, Alan, but, I, you know, the, no, the, fact is, 
the fact is that, you know, these issues here that we're talking about, professionalism and ethics and honesty and integrity, you know, all of these things come into play. And if we do business in the right way, then we're all going to make money and we're going to all be mutually beneficial teammates that ultimately will, uh, will prevail. Well, one benefit that I see, and I think this is the one that the drivers are, are looking at more than anything, is that their wages will go up. And I think that was a big part of this whole thing. If uh, if they're if they if they're getting you know charged less. Yes. Yeah. And I. I, think I mean, not charged less, but you know what I mean. They're they're making yeah. more. Right. Right. I mean, ultimately, it depends on if you are you know the shipper would be getting theoretically charged less, but ultimately right. the, the question the question is. But what is an appropriate amount of money for, you know, in terms of a commission rate structure um, threshold, if you will, uh, you know, for, for brokers to make? And, and once, once we remove what our fear is, which is the mega brokers are going to now control the industry because 38% was shut down by the broker bond, this is a way to retaliate on the, on the part of small business for small brokers to say, you know what, we've got a new way of doing business. And we're going to go and we're going to challenge the old mega broker way. And by being transparent, we're going to give shippers a choice. And we're going to give carriers a choice. And we're going to say, you can continue to do business with people who don't tell you what their fee is, or you can do business with us. And you'll see how much we're making, and you can make judgments about how much we're making. We're not going to say what that price is or what that percentage is that's right or wrong. The market's going to decide that. But it's going to be done based on open books and, and information available to all the players that are involved in the transaction. And, again, that's already available. Um, they have the right to that already. So it's just, you know, nothing new. This is okay. nothing new that Jack Martin was saying the other day. Well, this is nothing new. They, they already have that right. But no one okay. talks about it. No one, no, one, no one goes out of their way to say they have that right, and that's because there's been a, an attempt to, to keep it secret. You know? Right. Got, right. Got, I got this for you. There's a rule that says you have the right to know. Go on to careersandgears.com and type my name in and search for my article from 10 years ago when I told the trucking community they had the right to know. Same, same rule is still in place 10 years later. Careers and Gears? Careers, careers gear. Careers dot com. Women in Trucking has the article uh, uh, published as well. I think uh, Alan uh, and Shore. Oh, yeah. I think they've mm-hmm. got it published as well. So if you go to WIT, they'll um, they'll have it up there as well. Okay. Okay. Well, well listen. A few, a few, just a few quick points here. Where time winds down here. Deb brought up, you know, Deb brought up a good point where truck drivers need to take more responsibility. I mean. Uh, the way it is now, I mean, what steps would you recommend truck drivers need to take to ensure that uh, the broker that they're dealing with are reputable and, you know, thus hopefully reducing the chances of a fraudulent activity? You can never guarantee it 100%, as you know, Alan, but there are some due diligence steps. And the first thing, of course, is to confirm that you are dealing with a duly licensed broker. 
So going on the safer system and plugging in that MC number that the uh, that the broker gives you, and um, and actually pulling up the record and looking for the word active uh, in terms of their license. That means that their bond is on file, and that means that ultimately, if you don't get paid, you can file a claim against the broker's bond with the bonding company. The bonding company uh, information is also listed on Safer as well. Checking the broker's credit is, is of course, you know, paramount. To, to the whole deal. You shouldn't accept any load from any broker unless you've done that. Find out uh, who's financing the broker, if anyone. If a, a factoring company is brought into the equation and you're dealing with a, uh, a relatively new broker that's got a relatively um, recent number that's been issued, like an eighth in their MC number, in that case, um, if, you, if there's a factoring company involved, then you know the factoring company's reputation. They're going to pay you. And the bond isn't even, isn't even relevant at that point, uh, especially because the factoring companies that work with brokers usually pay the carriers direct what they're due and then pass on the, to the broker what their commission is. So there, there are these steps that you can do, including checking the, the bond claims activity with the bond company to find out if uh, there's been a high instance of, of claims filed already. That's a red flag right there that you're about to be the next claimant if you uh, go ahead and extend credit to that broker and they don't pay like they didn't pay the other folks that uh, had to file claims before you. So if you take these steps, you know, this is, this is what we mean by doing your diligence. This is what we mean by taking individual responsibility for your business, uh, like the young lady said uh, that was an owner-operator. These are the, the steps that you need to take to protect yourself and, and make sure that you're doing everything that you can to avoid that worst-case scenario where the, ultimately the broker doesn't pay you. Okay, good points. And uh, fi final thing here, because I, I just wanted to touch on it again. I um, mean, we've talked about you know your website 12pl.com, and that's the letter 12 spelled out 12pl.com. Yeah. But there's also another one, the the SBTC, the Small Business and Transportation Coalition. Can you describe just real quick for our listeners what that is and how it can benefit them as members? Yeah, that organization basically grew out of the AIPBA as an extension to kind of widen the net and ultimately foster these ideas of partnership and teamwork among the players in transportation that are all small businesses. So we have people that have joined that are uh, truckers, that are uh, small carriers, you know, one-man, uh, two-man carriers. We've had small brokers join, shippers have joined. The idea is to have this network in place that seeks to promote and protect small business in general. And what we're trying to do is get away from the traditional us versus them mentality where it's truckers versus brokers and vice versa. It's really about us doing business together in a fair, ethical manner, uh, showing that we all have integrity, and ultimately networking with each other. And, and I'll tell you, the SBTC is putting on a function so that you can meet your colleagues in person. And we're going to hold a, a, a function called Industry at Sea in September of this year. I believe it's September 12th through the 15th out of uh, Cape Canaveral. So you might have to go on another cruise there, uh, Alan. Donna. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, just eat, eat, you don't have to bend your arm too hard. <laughs> yeah, I figured, you know, because we might have to do a show from the ship, right? We can, we can yeah, that'd be out. cool. <laughs> right? Broadcasting live from the Bahamas. How about that idea, right? <laughs> yeah, I might do live streaming. 
There you go. And and that would be, you know, people's people's opportunity to meet with shippers and brokers and network and, and basically, you know, we're 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 basically dividing the industry into big and small and we're saying the small players really need to stick together. And it doesn't matter on a political front whether it's an attack against a small broker or an attack against a small trucker. It's all the same stuff because we're all in this together. So a high broker bond is no good for anyone, neither is a high bodily injury and property damage protection requirement, commercial trucking insurance of $4.4 million. Because Ridiculous. You know, my bro- yeah, my broker members are going to say there's no trucks left. <laughs> you talk about, uh, you know, that's the worst thing you can do right now in a capacity crisis and driver shortage is to knock more carriers out of the equation. So, you know, these attacks on small business have been happening recently within the last few years on both sides. And the only way that we're going to fight and defend against these attacks is if we recognize that we're all in this together, a small business, and we join an association like the SBTC. And, you know, Which we, we did. Yeah, well, we we appreciate that. And if we have to go on a cruise and, and network on the high seas, you know, then that's what we got to do. You know, we'll have to find <laughs> the... Now, to, and uh, well, one more question for you um, on AIPPA. Um, uh, who who is uh, who are your members and and how can they join? Uh, most of the time, it's small and mid-sized brokers, uh, and that's brokerages mm-hmm. that uh, earn up to as high as fourteen million dollars a year, uh, as opposed to you know multi-billion-dollar companies. And uh, they all they have to do is go to aipba.org, and um, there's a phone number there. They can call our um, our membership manager Kevin Ray, or they can put an order in right online and join the uh, association. And uh, we're looking forward to our next AIPBA event, in addition to AIPBA being at Industry at Sea, uh, Mid-America next year, we're hoping to have uh, a nice broker pavilion uh, at Matt's, and we're talking to Toby over there about that now, and, and hopefully you'll see that's where we hold our membership meeting, um, annual meeting from that point forward. Okay. All right, and uh, I know I know we said we let you go, but I got one more for you. It'd be, be, be a great way to end the show. It's been a great show. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, uh, we know, you know, several several brokers have. I mean, quite a few have come on with your rate transparency. Uh, we know that Logistics.com recently made their announcement to be transparent. So, uh, final question for the show, James: How can drivers, brokers, carriers, shippers, whoever? Uh, support rate transparency? What what should they do? What's the best way that they should do that? Well, I think that, that shippers need to look at, uh, at this from the perspective of this entails helping them control their costs and to know exactly what their costs are in an itemized format. And ultimately, that's a good thing for them because for that guy who was charging 38%, if that was uh, some information that was available to the shipper, they might have said, well, you know what? I don't know if I agree to pay you that much. I think it should be a more reasonable rate. And that helps the traffic managers. That helps the manufacturers. And, and ultimately, as consumers, you know, that affects you know, what we pay at the pump and what we pay in, in the stores in terms of prices. And then on the, on the trucker side, you know, truckers can, can, can seriously think about, especially independent truckers, and carriers can, can seriously consider boycotting those larger brokerages that are not telling them. So you know what? We support the AIPBA transparency model, and we've made a conscious decision that we're going to only do business with brokers who are transparent. Now, there's folks out there that are not going to like that, 
But, you know, we're basically saying that, that ultimately, you know, it's not a matter of ethics. It's a matter of competition. And it's a matter of, you know, folks have the right to move in that direction and compete with, with uh, their competitors and, and offer something that's different and new. And that's what this is. This is a more appealing approach. And I think it's going to catch on. And I think that ultimately those brokers like Lou who are kind of reluctant to adopt it now, I think they're going to change their mind in five years. And it would be wonderful to have him back on the show five years from now and, uh, and see what he, he thinks, you know, as this uh, unfolds. Well, one thing I've learned in life experience is the more people fighting against the cause usually proves that it's the right cause. But um, we'll just leave it at that. But, Listen, it's really a good show, Jane. I really appreciate your time, and um, uh, we'll we'll keep following you and seeing how it's going. So thanks thanks for coming back on with us, and we really appreciate it. My pleasure. Uh, anytime, I'd be happy to come back on, and um, I, I wish you all well. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Same to you, and uh, ha- have a great evening. And listen, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back for Donna to jump in here. Uh, I guess you have a few announcements, Donna. Yeah, I have a couple. You, <laughs> you always have a couple. <laughs> All right, we will do it. Uh, we'll be right back. Hang with us. You're listening to Truth About Trucking live on Blog Talk Radio. Alan Smith will be right back. What's up, truckers? Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas, but they never work for trucking companies. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. And when you call truckerlawyers, TruckerLawyers.com. Be sure to mention that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. There's a lot of copycats out there, but you know, there's only one. Truth About Trucking Live. Now, back to the show. All right, Donna, what do you got? Oh, I'm not hearing you. Oh, the ELDs. <laughs> the old mute button. I know. Um, still a hot topic. Um, I believe they extended uh, the comment period. 
um, drivers still against them. And, and actually, uh, you know, one of the reasons, not all the reasons, there's many reasons, but was, uh, you know, less hours to drive and, uh, you know, no profit. So anyway, comment section, I believe it's still open. Detention time, uh, Look, we're looking at that. Uh, should it be part of the uh, of, of a rulemaking? Uh, wasn't in it. Some drivers say yes. Some say no. I know Alan's for it, but uh, that's another hot topic going on. And you could read all all this on. Um, well, I'll tell you, Overdrive. Todd Dills is amazing. Boy, he covers everything. So, uh, and another hot one was that recently um, there was a last call to. Uh, delay the May 21st deadline rule for drivers to go to a national medical examiner, uh, saying, stating it was uh, ATA and OIDA both stated that there weren't enough examiners to to cover everybody. And the funny thing is, we had Elaine Papp of the FMCSA on our show on May 8th. It was, and she actually explained why there are enough uh, medical examiners for everybody. So um, you can go back to the archives and listen to her explanation and that, you know, the whole thing that there, there just aren't enough to cover all these drivers uh, is, just, is just not true. So needless to say that the rule did take effect, and if you are a driver and your medical card is up, you, de- you do need to go to uh, someone who is certified a national on the National Registry of Certified uh, Medical Examiners. Uh, there is an article on uh, Ask the Trucker all about it, uh, but you can go right to the FMCSA website itself. Um, you just Google National uh, Registry of Medical Examiners and you can find that. With that note, Miss um, uh, Papp will be joining us again on June 19th. Uh, this time she's going to address regulations, medical regulations, and questions, exemptions, waivers. Uh, A lot of drivers have questions uh, about, um, for example, diabetes, or if they're an amputee, or a hearing impairment, vision vision restrictions, uh, exemptions. And we have a post up right now where you can actually post your question and you can also call in because this time she will be taking questions. Uh, Because the time is limited, we would like to get the questions in advance and actually have them so, you know, we could could just get right to the nitty-gritty and get as many questions as we we can answered because there's a lot of them. So we really do uh, appreciate uh, Elaine Papp from the FMCSA uh, coming back on the show and being... uh, have the opportunity uh, for drivers to speak with her with their concerns. And that's June 19th, Thursday, 6 p.m. We will also be having Joe Hubbestool on. He's going to be um, speaking with us from Lone Mountain Truck Leasing uh, about business in general, um, how owner-operators can be more profitable in in business and, and more savvy. So we're looking forward to that discussion. We're going to have a series of health 
shows also. And we'll uh, tell you more about that uh, as uh, in the next week or two, and it will be posted on Facebook and Ask the Trucker. Um, and for anybody who wants to be a part of our social media advertising campaign, just give us an email, info at truthabouttrucking.com. And uh, just put in the subject line advertising. Uh, if you have a, a, a quality product or service, um, just just let us know, and we'll uh, we'll work something out with you. And that's it for now, Alan. All right, sounds good. Thanks again to James Lamb for joining us this evening. And if you want to learn more about his quest for broker transparency, visit 12pl.com. That's the number 12 spelled out. 12pl.com. And, again, you can find the link within our show's description as well. And, uh, hey, have you gotten the uh, When the Big Rigs Don't Roll music CD? Here's a tip for you. Google When the Big Rigs Don't Roll and grab your copy of the CD. It's a great CD. Until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. It ain't right, man, it sucks When the big old companies make a billion bucks On the backs of the working man Driving trucks and cars It takes 1,200 bucks to fill this rig While I'm stuffing the pockets of some big wig He don't care if I've maxed out my credit cards The only trick I get for my truck Is the jack and the price when I fill it up like pumping my money down an endless hole. But what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll? Tell me what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll. Oh. college degree to figure out that they're ripping off me. They get a big tax break and all I get's the shaft. Insurance goes up if my credit is down. If I sink any lower, I'm gonna drown. And I ain't getting no help from a bureaucrat, no. The only trick I get for my truck is the jack in the price when I fill it up. It's like pumping my money down an endless hole. But what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll? Tell me what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll. If mama hadn't taught me the golden rule, I'd tell those big what to do with the nozzle on the pump where I get my gas but I'm a good boy and I won't do that Oh,